Man, so good to be together, to, so good to worship. It was, wow, what a service we had last week. 13, uh, was it, was it 13 baptisms or 12 baptisms here? It was fantastic. And uh, yeah, we were really blessed by that. And uh, I'm really encouraged. I'm going to get my clicker so that... Really, really encouraged by that, uh, the way that the Lord worked and the way that the Lord ministered and uh, it was so good, so good. And I'm glad to see you in church this morning. Uh, confusing times, but we are uh, being a, um, clearly we are, uh, are trying to um, work this through. Be as safe as possible, engage. But I'm uh, so good, isn't it, just to be able to worship together, lift up our voices and, and praise the Lord. That in the middle of all the turmoil, uh, we, we, we know who we can trust. We can. And we, of course, we're all praying for the federal election at the moment. Praying that God's righteousness will be done. Praying that God will be sovereign in all decisions. And I'm reminded again and again of my teaching in Daniel about that at the end of the end of uh, all time, there is one grandmaster who knows the great checkmate, and that is and that is the sovereign Lord God who is in heaven. He knows every detail. He rules over the nations. He appoints leaders and he removes leaders. He knows who is there. We don't look at the world from one perspective. We look at the world from a heavenly perspective. That we know that we can trust the Lord. We know that our hope is in him. We know that he is sovereign. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, of course, thought he was the sovereign Lord in control. But actually, he was just a tool in the hand of our Lord. He was the one who was, God was moving, God was speaking. So we can be encouraged by that. Last week, I shared with you about generosity. The heart of generosity is birthed out a very powerful sense of the love that we have received through Christ Jesus. We are generous people. We are kind people. We are giving people. We are people that make a difference in our community and make a positive difference in our world because we have been first loved by the love of God within our lives. And when we've been loved by the love of God, this changes everything. We're reminded of the woman who came weeping, touching the feet of Jesus. Because Simon, the uh, Pharisee, he came and of course he invited Jesus to his home. But he did not honour him by affording him the honour of washing the feet. He did not... Uh, care for him by offering a towel. He did not offer him oil to be placed on his head. And yet here was a woman that came and she washed Jesus's feet with what she had, her tears. She came and she she dried Jesus' feet with what she had, her hair. She came with her expensive perfume for she was a woman with a past. She was a woman with brokenness. She was a woman who had failed and yet she brought the most expensive perfume and instead of common oil, which of course was, was what it was... Um, 
all about was that, that olive oil, which was inexpensive, was to be placed. No, she brought the most expensive perfume and placed it on Jesus. She brought what she had. And of course, she kissed his feet. Simon the Pharisee failed to greet Jesus with a holy kiss. Even by honouring him, because that was the culture. You wash people's face, uh, wash people's feet. You wa- you gave them oil and you greeted them with a holy kiss to be very, um, very, very correct. And the way that the culture would approach itself in that way, that was exactly the way that it should be done. But of course. Simon the Pharisee approached it from a very judgmental, from a very religious way. And he did not afford Jesus the generosity that Jesus deserved for who he was. The Savior, the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But this broken woman gave Jesus and she gave all that she had out of the generosity of her heart. Because she'd been touched by the love of Jesus Christ. And we live that way. We are generous because we've got a past. Because we have failed. Because we have faced the challenges. We know. We know that we are that generous people in our lives. (coughs) And we want to choose to be that way. So this uh, morning's teaching, I want to talk to you about learning to be a steward. Many of you will know the story from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 15. It's a story of, in Luke's gospel, of the talents. And in Matthew's gospel, it's the story of the gold bags that were left to be stewarded by the servants. And the challenge of this message is very simply, we've been left in charge of the resources that God has given us. And God, all good things come from God. And that God has given us these resources. And then how are we treating those resources within our lives? And again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. To another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The word steward in the Greek is a word that captures the very heart of a household manager. That, that he looks, he's calling these servants household managers. They're ones that look after the household. They're ones that care for the needs of the master. They're ones that are available. Now, of course, these days, we're not so familiar, of course, with a household manager. We don't have a household manager there as I live up in, in Upper Rutland, um, And my big estate that is there on Brighton Road, um, I don't happen to have a household manager. Well, um, I mean, Michelle is awesome, but I wouldn't call her the household manager otherwise. But, But certainly we manage, but we don't have people to manage it. I'm not an influencer. I'm not uh, one of those celebrities that my people will talk to your people. And we have people. But in the Roman world, they had people. 
Now, sadly, these people were slaves, and I'll get into that in its context. But let me just step back from this idea that Jesus is now saying, illustrating that those who are stewards are managers of households that God has given them to look after and care for. In other words, all that you have and all that we possess isn't through our own brilliance. It is because of the grace of God and God has given us these gifts and that God has come and said to us, you are my household manager of the kingdom of God, of the resources that you've got and I want you to use them for my glory. We've got to choose. Choose to say, yes, Lord. But of course, these were, were slaves. Now, in the context of Matthew chapter 25, it is in the context of two contexts. That First of all, Jesus is teaching towards the Jewish people who were entrusted with the good news of God through the temple and through the Abrahamic covenant. They were called to be a blessing to all nations. You know that. They were called to bring goodness to the world. They were called to model the way of the Ten Commandments. They were called to show the world and be a holy people amongst the world. And yet, of course, we know the story of the Israelites, that they had wandered from the path, that idolatrous activities had arrived, and that suddenly they had drifted away from the glory and from the beauty and from the testimony that God wanted them to be. They wanted to be a nation that showed all nations of the the world, the way that a nation should serve God so that there would be a way of light and salvation to declare that this is the way you can know God and we are modeling it to the world. But Jesus is teaching here in this. He's just taught about the end times in chapter 24. He's talked about famines. He's talked about rumors of wars and great wars. He's talking about the increasing of of earthquakes in the time towards the end. He's talking about the shaking of the very foundations of the world. And at the same time with that prophetic telescope that brings it close up and far away, as we've discussed before. He's talking about the destruction of the temple that will happen in 60 AD. He's talking about the terror of the Roman army moving into Jerusalem and flattening Jerusalem because of the rebellious days and because of the revolution that comes out. And then he's talking about a future day, a day that you and I one day may experience is when the heavens open and the glory of the Lord comes. And in the same way Christ came at Christmas, he will return once again. Glorious. And the dead in Christ shall rise again. And the trumpet shall be sound. And God will put all things right and judge humanity. So we've got this going on. That he's almost teaching, you know, that, that, that God came... And he gave them a gift of gold. But they failed to invest it. They failed to use it. They failed to show the world. And now the Messiah has arrived. But clearly also, he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. 
He's reminding us that we have been entrusted with a bag of gold. We've been entrusted with a great treasure. We've been entrusted with the goodness of God. And we are called to live a certain way. So let's go back to a slave. You see, in the ancient Roman era, slaves, unlike the slavery of many other cultures that we know well, Slavery was, of course, um, a kind of economic system that existed in the Roman Empire. So a slave would often be given household responsibilities. A slave would be given money. A slave could earn bonuses in the Roman Empire. And as a result of the bonus, the way that they managed the master's affairs, they could also buy land. And at the right point, they could buy their freedom or they could work so well. And it was a system by which people would operate within within that kind of uh, Roman culture at the time, Uh, although it was still hideous, although it was still brutal, although it was still completely um, a process of exploitation of other nations, there was in the context of this teaching that they understood that you were beholden to the master and therefore what the master asked you to do, you would do it and you would do it well and there would be a reward with that process. And like, which didn't really exist in other examples of slavery that we know historically, where it was pure exploitation and hideous and so uh, painful. And when you read the accounts of uh, the slave trade, you understand just how base and how sinful humanity can be and how evil we can be to each other and how dreadful, for the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we see the evil of humanity. But now the master is going away on a trip. And this was quite common. It was quite common when they saw the master would go and as the master would leave, they would wave him goodbye. And they would then have to look after the household. For those of you that are probably uh, would like to watch Downton Abbey, which you know, you know, they all line up and the master goes away and everybody looks after the house and everything is just fine. And that sense. And of course, we take it clearly that Jesus has gone away. And he is gone on a journey. And he will return. And how are we going to be ready for him to return? And as he goes on this journey, he gives five sacks of gold, bags of gold to one servant. He gives two bags of gold to another servant. And then he gives one bag of gold to that servant. He gives them responsibility. He gives them that responsibility and says, Now, what are you going to do with this responsibility? And after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle with the account. There is something that we need to remind ourselves, and it's this. That one day, each one of us will have to settle an account with our Savior by the way that we've lived and the way that we've acted. We're all going to have to face that moment. 
Now, I don't know whether you've been given five bags of gold or you've been given two bags of gold or you've been given one bag of gold, but we've all been given gifts. We've all been given resources. We've all been given opportunity. We've all been given the gift of life. And the Lord once will return one day and says, do you know who it all belonged to? Have you done your best? Have you realized that you are not the owner, but actually you, this is has been given to you. This has been lent to you. The very ground that you are on, the very world that you live in, the very land that you own, everything is is given to us as a gift from God the Creator. So we have to ask ourselves the question, will we settle the account? Will he say, well done, you good and faithful servant? You notice the word is well done. In other words, as Christians, we have to do things. We have to be available. We have to take seriously our life, who we are, and ask ourselves the question, am I living in, in a, as an orphan? Am I living as a person that has no deep sense of identity? Am I living as a faithful manager of the resources that God has given to me? Or am I living for myself, for I? That who does it belong to? It belongs to me. Who does it belong to? Well, it belongs to my success, my brilliance, the incredible intellectual power that I have. Look at this. Survey my my land, how marvelous I am, how incredible I am, how amazing. It's not about that. Because one day, and there's a lot of talk about end times, and there's a lot of talk about how we should be ready for the end times. There's a lot of talk and chat on Facebook all about the signs of the times. Daily I get sent reports of this report, this news report, this news report on my messenger. Honestly, honestly I try and, I'm the useless Facebook user. Um, I, but you know, it, it, these things arrive. Do you know what these chapters in chapter 24 and 25 teach us? How we should be ready? First of all, it talks about the virgins, the ten virgins, and those that are found in the darkness and their lamps have run out of oil, which says the way to prepare for the coming of the Lord is that your lamp should be full of the oil of the presence of God within your life and you should burn bright. That's how you should prepare for the coming of the Lord. You know how you should prepare for the coming of the Lord? Is not waste your talents and abilities, but invest it in the glorious management of the kingdom of God within this world. That's how you should prepare. How should you prepare? Well, if somebody needs a glass of water, you give them a glass of water. If somebody needs a coat, you give them a coat. If somebody's in prison, you visit them in prison. That's how we prepare for the coming of the Lord. We are good news people, generous people that stand out and declare, yes, I want to take this bag of gold and I want to use it for God's glory. Can use so much. And so we ask ourselves the question, the man with two bags of gold also came master, he said. You entrusted me with, with five Bags of gold, see, I have gained five more. I've gained more. I've taken it seriously. 
And the danger is that we can just put this in the context of economics and bank accounts. But of course, it's talking about the work of the kingdom of God. It's talking about the work of the church. It's talking about that. We have a financial responsibility to be generous people, yes. But if we just keep it to that, then we're missing the whole point. What God has given us, God has called us to invest what is given us so that there is a return and we become a fruitful, fruitful people that bring a spiritual return, physical return for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But this isn't out of a formula. This is out of listening to God and asking the Lord, I've got, I've got this. What do you want me to do with it? I'm making this purchase. Are you in this, Lord? I want to move house, not because I want to flip it just to do it, but are you in agreement with this? Lord, I'd like a different job. And I'd like you to bless that job, my business. But Lord, it is your business because I believe you told me to start this business. I believe that you're with me in this journey. You see, it's a combination of understanding the bag of gold that you've been given and understanding what the Spirit wants you to do with the skills, the resources that God has given to you. So it's about a prayer for. You know, C.T. Studd, the son of a, a lord, a magnificent, 1850, a magnificent cricket player. Oh, I love to talk about sports when I understand what I'm talking about. And I understand cricket. Oh, yeah. He was a legend all the way. He twisted that willow and hit that leather. It was amazing. Do you like that bit of language? Yeah. Uh, none of these puck and stuff, you know. I'm, okay. Oh, I get a headache watching that puck on the screen. I have to, to put it on slow-mo. Oh, there it goes. Oh, there it goes. That's good. But he was an awesome cricket player. And yet at the height of his career and the height of his wealth and the fame as he was featured in the London Times all the time, he was known as the greatest British cricket player. He was our Wayne Gretzky. Yes, that's him uh, of cricket. Get to the point, Phil, quickly. I will. The point was he gave it all up because he considered that if Christ gave his whole life for him, that he died to redeem him, that he would go where Christ is not known and he would spend the rest of his life declaring the glory of God and leave the glory of cricket behind. And he went to China. And the family donated the money to George Mueller and started orphanages all over Britain. That was what the Holy Spirit told him to do. You see, the key is, what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? Being open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? God is saying to us, what do you have that isn't a gift? You're boasting about what you've got. But what do you have that isn't a gift from God? The very lungs, 
the very breath of the air. It's a gift of God. What do you have that isn't a gift from God? So why do you treat it as though it was always anything but a gift? See, the mindset shifts. We treat things as if they're not a gift. But we have to treat everything as a gift from God. That changes our perspective. And actually that brings a deep sense of flourishing. A deep sense of, of, of joy in one's life. Look at what I've got. And look, it is all a gift from God. And I live with a grateful, grateful uh, heart towards what God has done. Came across this stewardship test. Very challenging. I'll just throw these things for you to think about. Do you ask God to show you what to do with his money? Do you ask God what to do with his money? The money that we've been given. Do you ask God what to do? Do you ask him to reveal his will about the biggest purchase you make? What is your biggest purchase? Do you ask him about his will in that purchase? Are you open? Are you willing? Aren't you glad you came to church? Do you ask God how much money he wants you to make? Maybe he wants you to make more. Maybe he wants you to make less. I don't know. Maybe. But the issue isn't about some kind of two-dimensional prosperity preaching. The, no. No, I'm not preaching prosperity. Like a formula. What I'm preaching is lordship of Christ and doing what Christ is asking you to do. In every area of your life. Every area that you say, yes, Lord. Do you ask him, God, how much money you want him to make? You say, I do, more. How much he wants you to keep and how much he wants you to give. Important questions. And we know we get uncomfortable because suddenly the idols that we've erected in our life start screaming at us, don't they? And when it comes to our simplicity of life, when it comes to generosity, for some of us, including myself, <clears throat> I have to pull down the idols. And there's times when I've said, I said, really, Lord? You want me to do that? Really? I can't. You know, just before we moved to Canada and a series of things, I... Yeah, I owned a few properties and, and there was one property that I just, oh. but the Lord said I had to sell it really cheaply to the pastor that was coming into the area. Oh, well, actually the Lord told Michelle, it, it had to, he had to like appear to me. And <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, you know, what? I have to. Bless them and you will be blessed. Really? And it was like the voice of the Lord came and whispered. I want you to do this. Okay, sure. I can do this, Lord. But it's hard, isn't it? 
But I can say to you, my friends, that when I've listened to the voice of the Lord and honored him with generosity, he has never failed me. He will never fail you, my friends. He will never fail you. How much does he want you to keep? How much does he want you to give? See, it comes down to the reality of us confronting the brevity of life and judgment. That we will face. The Hebrews says that just as people are destined to die once, after that to face the judgment. So there are two judgment seats that we will face. There is the judgment seat that, that is the judgment seat of the great white throne. That one day the, all the world will be judged before Christ. And there's the great judgment that will happen. But for the Christian, there is the judgment seat of Christ when we are judged for the way that we have lived and the choices we've made. That's why it's so important to be a listening people. That's why it's so important, even in our brokenness and our confusion over this, to bring it to God. I don't want to preach a message of condemnation. I just want to preach a message of joy and generosity. You see, the question comes down, am I the owner or am I the manager? And if I'm the manager, then I need the owner to come. It's not what I have to give, it's what I want to give. And sometimes when we look at the brevity of life and we look at how life is gone, even as I was greeting you here, we were, I was joking with one of the ladies a little bit older than me, about I think about 35 years older than I am, was, was saying, I have the same birthday as you. October the 22nd, please write that in, um, <laughs> in, in your diaries and in your planners as a, as a, as a day to... to to remember. Um, I look forward to it. Uh, but, joking aside, but there is that, and we were saying that, you know, gosh, how we wish the years would slow down. How we wish it would, you know, every year would be like two years, yeah? We were having this lovely conversation because we know how fast it goes, how how the world is. And the problem is, and then the lovely line at the end of the conversation was, but we have something glorious to look forward to. That was not my line. That was a person's line who's 35 years older than I. We have something glorious to look forward to. And often we live in the, in the now, but the now is a dot but eternity is a line that goes forever. Now is a dot, but eternity, the glory, the glory, as we know, the grass withers and the flower falls because the breath of the Lord blows on them and surely the people are grass. How many times have I said that at a funeral service? How many times have I sat in a funeral service and come out and thinking, I really need to live my life differently? How many of us have watched those now 
regular events of PowerPoints at funeral services, and you see somebody's life from the moment they're born, from the Saskatchewan home on the farm, to the moving to the Okanagan, to the kids that are all born. How many of us have seen those? And you're just crying, aren't you? You just, I'm just like, oh, I'm just a big, honestly, I cry at these as anything. I even, I was watching that program alone when they leave somebody in the middle of the wilderness, they have to survive, and, and one of them had to leave, and I was like, cry, Moshe said, are you crying? I said, yes, oh, I wanted them to win the half a million, oh, I'm so pathetic, um, but no, seriously, you know, when those PowerPoints are played, you see the beginning and you see the end. And then it finishes and you're all like, but that's the dot. Eternity is the long line. But how are you going to live in the dot? How are you going to live your life now? What is the Lord asking you to do? Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Mm-hmm. I said to the Lord, oh, Lord, am I going to live long? And what am I going to do when I'm old? And I found the Lord whisper to me, yes, you'll live. And you're going to pray for the nations to be saved. That will be your final assignment. A prayer warrior for the nations. I said, I'll take that, Lord. Thank you. If my last breath is praying for the blessing of the nations and the salvation of God, then that's good enough. I'm willing. Because it's, it's all about him. It's all about putting the Lord. You know, let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. A span of my year is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Not a memory verse that we often memorize, is it? Mm. Not one we, we give to the children to memorize. It's not quite as snappy as the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack nothing. But it clearly helps us to focus. Am I living? Am I living my life for the glory of God? But while you've got breath in your lungs, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to take the bag of gold and say, Master, I become your steward. Master, I am willing. Master, what you've given me, I will take and I will double. Master, I am here because in the same way Jesus returned and came to Israel So he will return. In the same way he looked at Israel and found it wanting as a church of God, we must not allow ourselves 
to become complacent in the work of the kingdom of God and the goodness of God. And maybe as we stand together, please let's stand together and sing this final song together. Use it as a moment to give your whole life, reevalue the way that you're living. This, this series is simply about generosity, about choosing and listening about asking the Lord about your life. Not only your life, your family. Not only the family, but the city we live in. Not only our city, but our province and our nation. We want the, the blessing of the Lord to be on our nation and upon our city. Amen. And Father, we do, as we pause for a moment, we pray for the federal election. And we pray that God, first of all, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, God, in these final hours that, Lord, you will have your way and have your purposes. Lord, we pray for justice to be seen in our land. And we pray for righteousness to be seen in this land. We pray for the love of God so that people may love God and love their neighbour in this land. We pray, God, in the final hours that, God, you will, you will be Lord and sovereign in this nation in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we start by just simply giving our lives over to you. Pulling down a few idols that we might have and bowing the knee before Jesus Christ who gave us everything. Amen.